This week, Reverend Wendy begins a new series entitled From Struggle to Well-Being. This week's talk examines looking at life from a point of view that asks, what would life be like if we stopped looking at it as a series of problems to be fixed? So I am very much looking forward to the series that we're beginning this morning, and I've entitled it From Struggle to Well-Being. Anybody interested in making that journey from struggle to well-being? Me, me too. Well, I happen to have found a book that uh, I'm surprised I, I didn't already know about. The book is called What's in the Way is the Way. How many of you have heard of this book? What's in the Way is the Way? A few of you, okay, but not, not very many. It's written by Mary O'Malley. Have you ever had the experience of picking up a book and reading it and feeling like you were reading something that you could have written yourself or that you are reading something that is articulating the ideas that you have felt, that it just felt so familiar. So as I was reading her book, I thought, my goodness, she sounds like a unity or science of mind minister. Now, from what I know, she is not. She is an author, she is a counselor, and she's a leader in the field of awakening. And many of the people who have written endorsements for her book are people that those of us in this room would be familiar with. So anyway, what's in the way is the way is a practical guide for waking up to life, for transforming fear and confusion into trust and clarity, for healing the core beliefs that keep us stuck, and for moving through struggle into living life fully. I enjoy occasionally using books as a basis for a series of messages because it gives me the opportunity to do kind of two things. To present some ideas in material that I think is worthwhile and helpful, as well as to share with you my understanding of that material and how I'm working with it. So it gives me a chance to do both of those things. And it also gives you a chance to pick up the book if you want to and to go deeper and further on your own in it. So the idea is from moving from struggle to well-being. So I wanna read part of the opening um, of the book to you and see if you can relate. I know that. I was hooked the moment I read the opening. When I was very young, I was like a sea anemone, a fully open with its tendrils floating in the waves of life. But as the experiences of my life scared and overwhelmed me, I began to shut down. Just as the sea anemone closes in on itself when it feels threatened, I closed down too. This gave an illusion of safety in the unsafe world of my childhood, but it also put up a wall between me and life. Maybe you can relate to that. Putting up, we try to protect ourselves, we try to feel safe from the things that we think are, could threaten us, and so we put up a wall, and the consequence of that wall is we have this barrier of separation then from really experiencing life fully. Since I experienced myself as defective, I became an ongoing project to myself. Can any of you relate to that? Oh my gosh, I thought, boy, I can really, that really sounds like something that, that's resonant for me. Since I experienced myself as defective, I became an ongoing project to myself. I tried to get rid of the parts of me I didn't like, 
and hold on to the parts I did. But these parts seemed to have a life of their own, appearing when I didn't want them to be here and disappearing when I wanted them to stay. I desperately tried to understand it all, but that just kept me caught in my head. It wasn't until a teacher showed me how to listen to myself that I began to open up again. Rather than always being in fix-it mode, I learned to meet myself exactly as I am. Rather than always being in fix-it mode, I learned to meet myself exactly as I am. Discovering a place beyond judging, take this in a moment, discovering a place beyond judging, beyond fixing, beyond getting rid of, and beyond trying to understand. Raise your hand if you can relate to any, any parts. Yeah, yeah, it can relate to a lot of it. And so here's a question, what would happen? What would happen if you understood that there is a place that you can live from that doesn't turn life into a series of problems to be solved? Would that feel different? Would you be interested in that? I know I'm interested in that. And, and what if you could really grasp, that might not be the best word here, but really live from knowing that that place or that way of being is not dependent upon anything being different in your life right now. You know, so much of the fixing and problem solving that we do on the human level is about trying to get life to be different than what it is right now. What if we could approach life from a completely different state of being, a completely different consciousness, moving from struggle into well-being. And as we move from struggle into well-being, then from that place, allowing life to unfold with greater ease and grace. It's a subtle but profound different way of being. There are seven ideas that I want to the key ideas and concepts I want to pull from the chapter. The chapter, the couple, first couple of chapters are really, really rich. And so I'm going to do my best to pull some of the key concepts. And here's the first one. You are not this struggling self. You are the space in which the struggle is happening. That to me is profound. You are not this struggling self. You are the space in which the struggle is happening. I'd like you to actually think of a struggle going on in your life right now. Everybody have a struggle that they can think of? Okay, if you don't have one, nudge your neighbor and ask your neighbor if you can borrow one of theirs just to experiment with for a moment. If you've got plenty, you only need one for the exercise, so just bring a struggle, struggle to mind. And now as you think about that struggle, silently speak to that struggle. I am not this struggling self. I am the space in which this struggle is happening. I am the space in which it is happening. I was sharing with somebody after first service for whom English is not their primary language. We have quite a few people in our church for whom that is true. English is their second language. I think Farsi is this woman's first language. And she was struggling just a little bit with this idea of the, the space. I am not the struggle, I am the space in which the struggle is happening. And I said, maybe in the most simple way, we could imagine a huge circle, but the edge of the circle, the circumference of the circle is quite permeable. It's not this rigid boundary, but for conceptual, conceptualizing, imagine a circle. And then whatever struggle is current in your life, 
imagine, give it a shape, it might be a circle, it might be a square, it might be a funny looking thing, and it's plopped somewhere in the middle of this vast circle. What the author is trying to say to us is something that we speak about quite frequently in metaphysics, and it is the idea that we are not the thing happening to us, we are the, the totality or the fullness in which it is happening. And when we can get clear that yes, this is happening, and it feels like a struggle or difficult to me right now, but I am bigger than that. I am the space in which it is happening. We give ourselves some breathing room. We begin to feel less struggle and resistance, and as soon as we begin to feel less struggle and resistance, we become more open to, create, to creativity, to insight, to inspiration, to new possibilities that will help us to meet whatever this struggle may be in an entirely different way and in a more effective way. She writes, as you deepen into this process, you will learn how to unhook, that's a powerful word and thought, to catch yourself when you're hooked by an emotion, hooked by a pattern, hooked by a behavior, hooked by a feeling. As you deepen into this process, you will learn how to unhook from all the fears, longings, irritations, and sorrows that struggle generates. Rather than getting seduced into struggle or turning to your compulsions or fighting with the people in your life, you will be able to simply let them pass through you, discovering that at any given moment, only a small part of you has a problem with life. The rest of you is at peace. Oh, is that a powerful thought to hold, wait a minute, only a small part of me only a small part of me has this problem. The larger part of me, the real of me, the soul of me truly, is at peace. So that's one key concept. A second key concept is that no matter what your mind says, no matter what your mind says, there is a place in you where everything is and always will be okay. Now your mind is gonna argue with that probably, right? One of the challenges we have, I think, in our human expression is the overuse of our mind and the underuse of our spirit or our soul or our heart or our gut. No matter what your mind says, there is a place within you where everything is and always will be okay, but we don't get there with our minds. We can't think our way there. Have you ever tried to think your way to peace? If you try to think your way to peace, peace will be a theoretical concept and not a felt experience. We feel our way to peace. It is our heart, our soul, that can take us where we want to go. So in this idea that no matter what our mind says, there is a place where everything is and always will be okay within us, she uses the term to describe that place as the meadow. Think of it just a beautiful meadow. Beautiful meadow. meadow. Peaceful, serene, calm, fills our soul. She says we have this beautiful meadow, but the meadow, meadow eludes us because of, here's another key term she'll use throughout the book, 
the storyteller in our head that creates a cloud bank of confusion. Can you relate to that? So three key concepts that you want to think about and observe in your life experience is the meadow, that state of feeling of all rightness, okayness, that beneath whatever is going on, it's not denying that it's going on, but beneath what's going on or alongside of what's going on, there is this meadow, there is this place or this state of okayness. And that it is always there, but the storyteller, and this is point number three, the storyteller doesn't recognize the okayness and creates a cloud bank of confusion through all of its labeling and through all of its evaluation and through all of its judging. So it's not, it is not that the meadow has disappeared, it's that through all the stories that we are telling ourselves, through all the stories the storyteller is telling us about what is happening, what may happen, what should have happened, what could happen, why it didn't happen, why they're doing it. Are you with me? <laughs> right? We all have the same kind of storyteller dynamic going on. Is creating this thick cloud bank, this thick fog. Can you call to awareness the last time you drove in dense, dense fog? Nod your head if you can. Yeah, it takes a lot of attention to move through that dense fog, right? And let's say you were driving somewhere that you've driven many, many times before. So you know the way to get there, but the dense fog makes the way look so very different, does it? The way is still the same way. The path and the roads are still there, but you don't see them because of this fog. Through our time together as we explore more of this book and as I share with you more from my own personal experience, we'll be looking at how do we help dispel this cloud bank so that the meadow, that state of okayness that really is always there, is what we experience. Fourth key point, everything we long for and everything we truly are is always right here, right now. Again, there's a part of our mind that might really argue with that. Everything I long for, everything I truly am, is always right here, right now. We live in an infinite field of potentiality, an infinite field of possibility. We live in an infinite field of divine energy and divine intelligence. Everything we long for, everything we truly are, is already present in this moment. Doesn't mean we are experiencing it in this moment, and oftentimes we're not because of the walls we have built or the cloud bank covering it. You see, there seems to be this this predicament or this pattern, I should say, that many of us share. And it's a pattern of chasing after pleasant experiences and pleasant states of being and resisting the unpleasant ones. If you really look at your life and you were to kind of evaluate your life or try to describe your life to yourself, I bet you could find most everything falls into one of those two columns. That I am either chasing something pleasant, and usually it's something external that I think is going to bring me that pleasant experience inside, or I'm resisting something that's unpleasant, trying to protect whatever good feeling I think I have right now. 
And yet the truth of the matter is that approach of chasing after the unpleasant, chasing after the pleasant and resisting or pulling away from the unpleasant, that can't bring us peace. It can't bring us peace. We cannot find peace in anything external to ourselves. So the question is, how would it feel instead to settle into the flow of life? How would it feel instead to settle into the flow of life? Do you remember what it felt like when you first learned how to swim? Yeah, and do you remember what it felt like when you learned how to float? There's a certain need to flow with in order to swim well. The same is true of us spiritually. An ability to flow with. Jesus said, come to me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He wasn't talking about come dump your stuff on him, accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and you're gonna be fine. It's much richer and way more deep spiritual truth than anything surface like that. When he said, come to me, all you are who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the me that he was referring to was a state of awareness. The Christ consciousness might be a way that we would say it in unity, not unique to him, Jesus the man, but a possibility of awakening for each and every one of us, that when we come into that, way of being in our lives, then the things that we carry are not going to feel so difficult and so very heavy. And the moment they stop feeling so very difficult and so very heavy, we will begin to equip ourselves to meet them and move beyond them with much greater skill and ease and grace. How many of you are familiar with the teacher Ram Dass? Raise your hand. Remember the book he wrote? I think it was in the 70s, Be Here Now, one of the most powerful books on deep spiritual practice, kind of bringing together Eastern and Western thought. Netflix has a great short documentary on him that just came out on Friday night, and I believe it's called Either Going Home or Coming Home. And if you have been following or are aware of Ram Dass's journey. He's, he's getting on there in years, and his physical form, his body, um, suffered a very debilitating stroke, leaving him with um, challenged speech and difficulty in movement. He's regained a fair amount of it. But this little documentary is a beautiful example of what I'm trying to convey to you and what I think the book is trying to convey to, to us. And that is that whatever it is that's up for us in our lives, whatever it is that's challenging us where we feel a sense of struggle, it might be around finances, it might be around a health issue, it might be around a relationship challenge, that we are not that, we are the space in which all of that is happening. And as you watch this little documentary of Ram Das, you see him in his wheelchair, you see him needing help to get into and out of the chair, into and out of, of the pool, you see him in the beautiful ocean waters of, of Maui, and you see this incredible demonstration of, of being way more than his physical body that is so impaired right now, and you enter into a taste of what it means to be your soul, what it means to be this, this 
all-encompassing self that is beyond whatever is happening to you in this particular moment. I really encourage you to take a look at it. A fifth key point is that the doorway to freedom, how we move from struggle to well-being, the doorway to freedom comes from our willingness to become curious and from bringing the light of our compassionate attention to the struggle. So it comes from two things. It comes from the willingness to be curious and to bring compassion into the observation. So take that in, because those I think are really important how-to pieces. The willingness to become curious and the willingness to bring a compassionate a viewing point into whatever that struggle may be. It's very different to look at our struggles or to look at the storyteller with a genuine sense of curiosity about it, rather than, boy, I'm gonna really whoop this storyteller into shape, right? Am I the only one that's ever tried to do it that way? <laughs> and, and what happens? The, the more you resist it, the stronger she becomes. It's a little bit like, I'm gonna get back to the meadow no matter what, right? Have you ever had a great experience in meditation, a, a peak experience, an epiphany maybe, a momentarily, you go, wow, that veil just then, the, 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 the cloud of confusion just lifted, I get it. And then as soon as you get it and you notice it and you feel it, the ego steps in and does what? I want it again. And we try to make it happen. Right? You know what I'm talking about. But we can't make it happen. We can allow for it to happen. But these are states of being we don't make happen. It's usually the mind, the will, that's trying to make something happen. So the doorway to freedom comes from our willingness to become curious about our cloud bank of struggle and from bringing the light of compassion to it. In Buddhism and in I think many of the Eastern practices, it, it would be akin to being the silent witness to, or the observer to that which is going on, right? Can I observe it without being hooked by it? When I observe it without being hooked by it, its energy begins to dissipate and, and with it, the struggle. She writes, it isn't about trying to get back to the meadow, that's just more struggle. Rather than trying to get rid of your cloud bank, the key is getting to know it. It isn't about trying to fix it, change it, or get rid of it. It's about learning how to be curious about what is going on in your life. The more you look, the less you take these stories personally and it becomes easier and easier to unhook from them. Sixth idea, key point, life is completely different when you learn how to feel your way with your heart rather than thinking about it with your mind. Let me repeat that. Life is completely different when you learn how to feel your way with your heart rather than thinking about it with your mind. What would it be like if whatever is going on in your life that is really difficult, you said for the time being you're going to take your overthinking mind, does anybody have an overthinking mind? Overthinking situations and problems and so forth, and you're gonna say, you're not gonna beat it up, okay? That's not helpful either, but you're gonna put it over here. 
and you're just going to walk away from it for a while. For a while, and you're going to do your practice work of centering in your heart. And what is that? It really is as simple as putting your attention in the area of your heart, imagining each breath is what we do in meditation. Imagining each breath moving in and through the area of the heart, and gently holding a very open-ended question, such as, where would my heart take me in this situation? Where would my heart lead me? What would my heart be saying to me right now? There's a part of me that also wants to say, or give a little bit of a, a, a disclaimer here, or a little word of caution. When I'm using the heart in the way that I'm using it here, I'm not using it as the seat of emotion. I'm not using it in that sentimental way. I'm using it from the place of the true wisdom of the heart. Many earlier cultures actually believed that wisdom was located in the heart and not in the brain. Sometimes I think the word soul might even be a, more, a, a better word to use. But the idea is beginning to drop the overuse of the thinking of our way through challenges and difficulties and opening ourselves up to a different way of looking at and feeling them by opening into the heart space or the soul space. There is, as you've heard me say, a fair amount of research done into the, the innate wisdom of the heart, especially when we move into that state called heart coherence, that we begin to access a level of wisdom that is ours, that is within us, that eludes us when we are just approaching things from here. And then the last key point that I would share pulling from the chapter is another one that a part of us might struggle with or resist, and it is her statement that life is trustable. It's not always likable, she says, but what's in the way is the way. Life is trustable. What does she mean by that? She says this trust is not trusting that you will get what you want. Trust understands that you will get what you need in order to come out of the cloud bank of struggle. This is what she means, I believe, when she says what's in the way is the way. What's in the way is the way to our awakening. Say that with me. What's in the way is the way to our awakening. And let's personalize it. What's in the way is the way to my awakening. Let's say that together. What's in the way is the way to my awakening. So here's a bit of an invitation to you. If you notice this week a pattern of struggle and resistance coming up, I invite you to just hold this one affirmation, the one we just did, as you look at whatever it is you are struggling with. And that is that what is in the way is the way to my awakening. This is part of my awakening. Let me be open to the form and the path that it takes. Namaste. Many people enjoy Reverend Wendy's talks and meditations and aren't able to attend the Unity Center in person. If you're part of our extended family from around the world and would like to help support the Unity Center, please go to our website or download our free app 
which offers even more ways to connect with the Unity Center. Namaste.